and on fire for the preservation of our nation. The Charlie Kirk Show. Hey, everybody. Charlie Kirk here. Email us your thoughts. As always, freedom at charliekirk.com. I said this once, and I got a lot of emails saying it's not true, but then I had other people saying it is true, including a theologian. But over 365 times, in fact, exactly 365 times, it says in the Bible, do not be afraid or do not fear. What is fear? Where does it come from? Is any fear helpful? Well, with us for the full hour is Dr. Mark McDonald. He is the author of the great book, United States of Fear, How America Fell Victim to Mass Delusional Psychosis. I'm so excited to dive into this. I have so many questions. And we met when we did a doctor's panel about a year and a half ago, and I can't wait to explore this with him. Doctor, thank you so much for joining our program. Good to see you again, Charlie. It's been a while. You as well. I remember that you were... Uh, you and I were joking around because of the stupid mask mandate, and you talked about how damaging it could be um, for children, especially. We're going to dive into that. So the floor is yours. Tell us about your book. So I wrote this book in November of last year as a way to encapsulate what I saw as not a pandemic of a virus, but rather a pandemic of fear. And that's the way I've seen this from the very beginning. Uh, we have not been, largely speaking, in a medical crisis, at least not a real one. The real crisis is actually been psychological. Uh, I am a child and adolescent psychiatrist, so I see people with mental illness, especially young people, which is my specialty, every single day. And since March, April, May of 2020, it's been a complete mental health disaster. So I set out to understand why, what's going on. I began writing, I began speaking, and eventually I put it all together in a book, which as you said, is called United States of Fear, to describe really three things. One, how did we get here? What is mass delusional psychosis and how did it happen? What are the cultural antecedents? This didn't just show up with the virus flying over from China. It has been with us for a long time. The virus simply just germinated the seed. Uh, the second part of the book is really about masculine and feminine and how male and female and attacks on the two sexes and the two genders has been a large driving force for decades, really, and will continue even after this pandemic ends. And then finally, I write briefly about the way forward. How do we move ahead? And I've been actually writing a new book now that will focus specifically on that in a great degree of detail. Well, there's so much that we're going to cover, and I, I'm afraid it's not enough time. But uh, so we're going to have to have you in person because this is something that really interests me. I'm by no means a expert in psychology, but if you're in leadership of anything, um, you actually have to be really good at reading people quickly and organizing them effectively. That's effect. That's what leadership is. And so let's start with a really basic question, and forgive me for this question. What is fear? Is any sort of fear good? And hmm. why is the level of fear we're seeing right now troubling? Fear is not a bad emotion. It actually helps protect us in some ways. Uh, we're afraid of jumping in front of a bus. That keeps us from jumping in front of a bus. We're afraid of burning our hand on the stove, similar to pain. Uh, when you feel pain, you pull your hand off. Now, chronic pain, of course, is pain when there's actually no injury, when there's no risk, when there's nothing wrong. That is not good. That is not helpful. So fear in and of itself is not a problem. But when you fear things that don't exist or when you continue to fear a minor risk and it inhibits your ability to live your life fully, now we have a problem. So the problem I have with fear and why I wrote a book about it is not to castigate fear as a bad emotion in and of itself. There's no bad emotions. But to point out that when fear becomes exaggerated, when it becomes chronic, and when it becomes inhibitory, 
we wind up in a state of perpetual trauma. And I think that this country and many other countries around the world have been living in a state of perpetual, unending, chronic trauma fueled by fear for the last two to three years. And the consequences of that are devastating. They are economic, political, social, psychological, and ultimately, you lose your independence, your ability to think, your ability to criticize, your ability to really make judgments on your own without outside guidance. And that's why really we are where we are now. It's not because of a virus. It's because of fear that is inhibiting us to act and to think autonomously as individual Americans. So the level of fear we still have in America, we could call it paranoia. We could call it irrational. You could fill it in. So you're a psychologist. You are some psychiatrist. I'm sorry, psychiatrist. Can, what's the difference? It's a common by the mistake. Way? Can you? Everyone makes this mistake, Please, Charlie. A yeah, psychologist is trained in either clinical or research psychology through university, meaning a PhD. So you have a doctoral degree from an academic institution. A psychiatrist is actually a medical doctor. I'm just like an OB, a pediatrician, Got internal it. medicine doctor. I went to medical school, got an MD. I just happen to specialize in mental illness. Well, that's that's helpful. And I appreciate the correction. I have a whole thing where I want to be corrected. Who wouldn't be? Um, that's a that's a separate uh, issue that you could dive into the uh, the psychoanalysis of that. So help me diagnose this archetype. And I see it quite often. Person driving alone in car with mask on. God, I saw this today as I was walking from my car to the gym. I see it every single day here in Los Angeles, very, very frequently. Now, some of these people are workers, so they're afraid, not that they're going to get sick, they're afraid they're going to get fired. That's true. So the idea of compliance and intimidation is a really big factor. So I'm careful not to judge people who have uniforms on because they're being watched and they could lose their jobs. But when somebody's driving as a non-employed, ordinary citizen, not an Uber driver, obviously in their own car, they own their car, they're going to the school, they're going to the church, they're going to the store, they're wearing a mask. There's something clearly wrong. I believe that the reason why people are doing this is largely speaking due to fear. They have become reflexively afraid of not wearing a mask. I see it in my building. When I went to my office at the beginning of this pandemic and would use the bathroom, there would be people who would come in and out with masks on who would run out of the bathroom when they'd see me without a mask. I had one man who was wearing thick rubber gloves, two masks, a face shield, and a giant plastic coat over his body. And he stood outside the hall until I left the bathroom because he would not enter with someone without a mask on. And when I went out, I waved at him and smiled and he started screaming at me, yelling murderer, I don't care about human life. He, was, he looked possessed, he looked psychotic. And when you use the word paranoia earlier, I think it's an accurate one because fear, when it is, as I was saying earlier, not appropriate, is actually a form of psychosis. It's a form of delusion. It's a fixed false belief that's contrary to reality. I'm driving my car. If I don't have a mask on, I'm going to get sick. That is not just fear. It's also paranoia. It's also an irrational belief system. Many, many people are believing in and following this delusional, psychotic, um, almost endemic uh, cloud and have been for so long because they cannot think for themselves. They have rejected rational thought and they've become reflexively obsessed with this altar of safety, which is illusory. It does not exist. In fact, they're more likely to die in a car accident in their car 
than they are of dying of a virus by taking their mask off, but they don't see it. I'm busy, but I have this project that I want to work on and publish it under a pseudonym pen name, The Case to Ban Driving, and use all the same talking points that we, we've used to shut down schools and masks. You know, we must stop the spread of the people on the streets. It's the only way to keep our children safe. You could make the same argument under the false premise, but things that can make you go places quickly come obviously with a risk. We have one minute to break, and I hate to just kind of shorten you into one minute. Just really quickly, just as kind of a foreshadowing to our next segment, talk about the issues you're seeing with young people in particular because of these lockdowns. Young people are particularly vulnerable to this pandemic of fear because they are highly, highly addicted to social media. And they are also highly compliant for the first generation in American history, as far as I know, they want to follow, not attack the man. And that makes them particularly vulnerable to propaganda, indoctrination, peer pressure, and unfortunately, irrational and exceeding of authority commandments from government politicians and bureaucrats. That's well done in less than a minute. You've done that before. <laughs> Everyone, email us your thoughts, freedom at charliekirk.com, author of United States of Fear, Dr. McDonald. Pick up your copy. If you have a loved one or a child that is experiencing a level of paranoia, of anxiety that seems to be unprecedented, this book might be helpful. And I'm going to ask you about the depression, anxiety part of that and why those two things are linked together, which I find to just be interesting. I'm curious about that. Charlie Kirk, subscribe to our podcast. We'll be right back.